Byron was saying he's more of a friend than a pastor. That's what I kept <laughs> hearing him say. One thing that um, it doesn't actually happen to me because I don't think spiritual gifts happen to people. I think you pursue them. And so, um, but sometimes I feel things that I can't help but feel that are, <clears throat> that can be, and I believe this one is, um, an indicator from the Lord of some things going on that he wants to change. Does that make sense? I'll feel personally a certain way that um, when I go into a situation, I'll begin to feel a certain way that's really not me, but it's a word from the Lord. And here's what I felt just when I got into town this morning. I haven't felt this way in a long, long time. But I began to feel um, a little bit dizzy and a little bit disillusioned, or not disillusioned, disoriented, and a little bit weak. And I believe there are people here today who are going through that. How many of you have any of those kind of feelings? Why don't you just stand up if you've been feeling that way? Because I believe we're not supposed to, and I believe we don't have to. A little bit disoriented, a little bit weak. What was the other one? And a little dizzy. Now, let me tell you, part of it comes from a bearing a yoke that's not yours. Feeling like you have to support things that you don't have to support. You do need to be faithful. You do need to obey the Lord. But uh, he's carrying you. You're not carrying him. Isn't that good news? <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Whatever we do, we do by faith. I don't come like as the faith man of God who breaks this, that, and the other. I just believe the Lord's already broken it, but he wants some people to agree with him about it and quit giving in to it. You follow me? Okay. How many of you are going to believe with me when I pray that this is going to lift? And how many of you are going to be committed to not accepting it anymore? This is not you. Don't go to the doctor about this. Go to the doctor, but don't go to the doctor about this. You're not hypoglycemic. This is something spiritual. Now, if you have an affliction, go to the doctor. Don't, don't misread what I'm saying. I'm for doctors. They've helped me on a number of occasions. But this is not medical. It's spiritual. Okay? All right, just stick your hand up in the air. Do something aggressive. <laughs> Father, we just believe that in the name of Christ Jesus, that what we've identified, we can break because of the cross, because you really have broken it. We do not submit to these feelings, this intimidation, this weakness, this disorientation, this dizziness, or anything that closely resembles that. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we address this thing and we say you have no place here. And we boldly proclaim we break your power off everyone in this building right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You should thank me, maybe, but I'm saying thank you because I'm trying to be a nice guy. <laughs>
You're welcome. I didn't do it, but I'll stand in his stead and pass it on. Um, a couple of weeks ago, a little girl came to me after church, and um, the church I'm in now, uh, it's, it's a pretty big church, and the end of the meeting, usually pastors get deluged with people that want to tell you stories about people you've never met before and don't have much interest in. <laughs> if you haven't been there, you don't know what I'm talking about. It's very hard to focus on someone you've never even heard about or know anything about and you hear a long story about them. Then other people come for legitimate needs and cares and you want to help them. But you know at the end of a meeting lots of times you're just going to be uh, sort of torn in different directions and sometimes it's not easy to um, navigate that. <clears throat> and so a couple of weeks ago a little girl came up to me I think she's about 17, and she said, can I ask you a question? And I, th I said, sure. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, how am I going to fit this in with those other eight people that are standing over there looking like they need something? And you feel it. You know what I'm saying? You feel people sort of pulling at you. And you want to bless them and help them because you care about them. And so as I said that, I thought, I hope I can do this justice. And so this little girl had lost her mom to cancer when she was I don't know, 12 or so. And um, so she said to me, she said, can you tell me something about my mama? And I thought, this is the most important thing to do in the world, is to sit down and tell this little girl about her mama. And so, <laughs> I'm laughing because I don't want to cry. So, I sat down and just began to tell her how wonderful her mom was, honestly. How much she loved her kids, uh, how proud she would be of this particular child, the way she would cock her head when she asked you a question and she was trying to really hear what you were saying, how she liked to dance, uh, both... Uh, in the Lord and out of the Lord. <laughs> um, then I got Donna, and Donna sat down, and she started talking to this little girl about her mama. And uh, after it was all over, I, so I felt, you know, just privileged, really, just honored to have been able to, to do that. And really what I want to do today and what we're supposed to be doing is telling people about their daddy. You see, honestly, many people have it covered up under all kind of veneer. But I believe basically in every person's heart they have this desire. They want to know, you know, what's God like? What's my daddy? What's he really all alike? All, you know, what's he all about? <clears throat> and so that's really, really what I want to do today. You know, he, he is so creative and the way he helps people. One problem with being in the church is we can get so rigid in our methods that we're not open to the creative aspects of God. And one thing the Lord <clears throat> has done both with me and to me over the years is he's spoken to me about things that um, he wants me to tell people when I have no natural knowledge that they're true. 
but to do it in a context that would bless them and benefit them, not make them feel bad or feel belittled or embarrassed. And I've had things like this recently. And what will happen is many times I'll get up and I'll say these things and I'll identify people through different words of knowledge and they won't respond and I'll look stupid to people. I don't feel stupid because I don't really care that much anymore. It doesn't make any difference to me. I'm going to do this no matter how I look, how I feel, because I know the benefit that comes. And a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting at the table before, during I think it was during the worship, and um, I had several things I felt like the Lord began to say to me. There's somebody here tonight who recently got interested in Formula One racing. Now, you know, that's insignificant, isn't it? And that they played Little League Baseball, and that they have a friend named Randy. And so I'm sitting here with this information, wondering what to do with it. And so I stood up at the appropriate moment, and I said, I believe the Lord told me that there's someone here who recently, you're not here today. This is what happened a couple of weeks ago. Now, if you are here today, if all this applies to you, that really is a miracle. (laughs) And so I went down through the list, Formula One racing, Little League Baseball, friend named Randy, and guess what happened? Nothing happened. Until after I sat down and the meeting was over. And then this guy sort of weaseled his way. (laughs) <laughs> over to the table. I can spot them eight rows away when this is going on. <laughs> and um, he said, hey, guess what? And I thought, what? <laughs> Surprise me. <laughs> he said, um, I went to that Rocky Stallone meeting, a movie about meeting. Yeah, he's preaching the gospel. And I went to that Rocky Stallone movie about Formula One racing, really got interested in it. I said, yeah, right. He said, hey, I played Little League Baseball. Really? He said, yeah, one of my close friends is named Randy. I said, you played center field too, didn't you? He said, yeah, how'd you know? Well, the Lord just told me. But he didn't respond, and he said, do you have something for me? I said, no. I only have something for you when you respond in faith. See, I'll have these words of knowledge at times with these sort of isolated facts that don't really make a whole lot of difference, basically, but it identifies people, and when they stand up, then the Lord will give me something to to give to them, but see, it's all about faith. All of us need to live by faith. Faith's not what preachers do, or the deacons, or the elders, or the Sunday school teachers. It's what everybody needs to do. Well, I had a few things today that are not quite that way, but I just wanted to share them. One thing I felt like, and I do not want you to respond to this. Because I don't want you to be embarrassed. But I believe like the Lord showed me that there are some people here today who were stained through past relationships. And I believe there are probably a number of people. You know, that's pretty easy to say that. But I believe there's some specific people who were stained, or maybe a person, I'm not sure, who was stained through having cohabited, lived with someone out of wedlock. And... You aren't, you're not quite over it yet. And you feel about yourself that you're somehow, you're marked or you're stained. Well, here's what the Lord wants you to know. He 
really does care about you. He really does. He loves you. And he is saying that if you will come sit in his presence, he will remove every bit of how you feel about yourself. Okay? Um, how do you do that? Well, here's what you do. You go get a chair, you go sit down, and you say, I'm sitting in the presence of God. That's what you do. It's not hard. You just go sit down and say, I'm sitting in the presence of God. Lord, I'm just going to consider. I'm going to feed according to the Scriptures. I'm going to feed on your faithfulness. I'm going to feed on your love. If you want a thing to grow, feed it. If you want a thing to uh, to die, starve it, Arthur Burke has said for years. So, I don't want you standing up and responding. I've already seen several of you by the look on your face that the Lord's touched you, whether you directly relate to that or not. The Lord is ministering to you. Go ahead. Why don't you start right now just sitting in His presence. Then I felt like the Lord was talking to me about some Southern California or California transplants. Do we have any? Any of those? I know the Baycots are. Why don't you folks stand up? Is it Southern California? Yeah, that's what I saw with Southern California. Look at all these folks from Southern California. What are you doing in Charlotte area? Mooresville, pardon me. Well, here's what the Lord gave me. I know this is probably more true for some than others, but there are areas that you've struggled in that you know victory is available. And I believe as I speak this to you, you're going to receive just another level of faith. You're not far from that victory. You're going to receive another level of faith and be in that victory. How many of you can you relate to that that are from Southern California? Now, nobody else gets this word if you're like from Michigan. Or <laughs> Now, what I do is I take everything that comes prophetically if it applies, if there's promise to it. And I also tell the Lord, if nobody else wants this, give this one to me. And I'll basically tromp over my grandmother with baseball shoes to get to the promises of the Lord. That's right. <laughs> on, the, on the basis of Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. He stole the birthright. I will steal yours if you give me opportunity. If you don't love it. Better than to let that thing just go. I will take everything you have and receive it as a blessing from the Lord. And that's bad, but it's good too. Okay. Lord, look at these transplanted Southern Californians. Lord, release to them right now, right now, another level of faith to enter into your victory in specific areas. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. What I want to talk about today is the intersection. What's an intersection? That's where two ways meet. The intersection of 150 and 21 is right over there. An intersection is where two ways meet. It's where you change directions if you want to. How many want to change directions this morning? Well, I want to talk about the intersection of the natural and spiritual realms. Intersections of the natural and the spiritual realms. Where does the spirit realm touch the natural realm and enable us to make a move? Isn't that important? Some of these are obvious. 
Some of them are not. Some of them you can see. Some of them you may have to have some help seeing. That's one of the reasons I'm here. I don't want to talk so much about the obvious ones. I want to talk about the ones that aren't obvious. But when the natural and the spiritual realm intersect, we have an opportunity for advancement. Sometimes easy to recognize, other times difficult to recognize. How many of you are happy with where you are in God? One satisfied customer. That's good and bad. I'm not. One reason I'm not is I've read Psalm 91. I don't know anybody that can read Psalm 91 and not think there's got to be more than what I've got. There's got to be more. How about creative miracles? How about seeing people with long lost limbs having instantaneous restoration? And that's just a moderate... I mean, that's just a small portion of, of what God has. The true riches, to me, are things like that and others. Fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, power of God, kingdom manifestations, heaven. Jesus asked us to pray this way. You guys aren't doing that good. Pray this way. Your kingdom come. As it is in heaven, so may it be in the earth. Heaven, there's nobody sick. As long as there's sick people around. I think we're failing. Now, that's, that's a radical statement to make, but I believe that's true. I believe we have, to, we, we have to quit comparing ourselves with each other and compare our experience with the Bible. One of the uh, problems the church has is the church doesn't have much honest connection with the Bible, with the Scripture. We all own them, but they don't own us. We all have them, but they don't have us. And the, and the Bible tells us that they're exceeding great and precious promises whereby we obtain or participate in the divine nature. That ought to rattle some cages right there. We, we, it, we, I'm not even going to talk about that one. But how we respond to the Lord at these intersections will determine our future. How many of you would like to get out this afternoon, make a bad turn, get hit by a bus? You need to know when these intersections come, what you do, how you relate, how you respond, what's going on between you and the Lord. If you don't, you're not going to get where you're going. Now, I don't believe you're going to get killed, you know. I'm just, but, but we need to have, we need to be challenged to go on. You know, we will only go in God as far as our hunger takes us. When we quit being hungry for God, we sit down and we don't say it, but by our actions, the demonic realm knows, stick a fork in him, he's done, don't worry about him, let's go on to this next guy, he's still hungry. You see, being open to God won't work. Being open to the things of the Spirit of God won't work. You talk to certain people about I don't separate the gifts of God from the God of the gifts. I think that's a mistake. The Bible tells us plainly, clearly, and specifically to covet the gifts of the Spirit. And this whole inane philosophy that we want, we want, that you can somehow separate who God is from what He does is ridiculous. It's a, 
It's a ploy to get you from pursuing God at the level you need to pursue Him to enter into what He has for you. But there are very few things in the spirit realm which are automatic. You can automatically go to hell. That's one thing you know can happen to people. You can automatically go to hell because you don't lay claim to what God's given you through the gospel. But this whole day, well, I'm open. Let's say I'm open to the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, go home. Let's do an experiment. Go home, open your front door, open your back door, and then go away for a week. Go away for a week. Come back and see what you got by being open. Here's what you'll have. Frogs, bugs, rats, and the neighbor's animals. But you will not have someone, generally speaking, walk in there and deposit something in your house of value. Because we don't live in that kind of challenge or war. That's not the warfare we fight. The warfare we fight is this. You will get what you get because you're hungry enough to go after it and you're not so complacent that you sit there expecting God to drop on you something beyond what you have. That's right. Who inherits the kingdom of God, the Bible tells us? The energetic pursuers or the violent. You see, we wonder why more people don't get healed. It's because we don't really want them healed badly enough to do something about it, to find out, not blame them for not being healed. Because I believe what God wants to do is release a corporate atmosphere of healing because He's got a corporate group of people who are so hungry for God and have so much faith that even the unbelievers can come in and benefit from what's going on there. And this whole thing about beating people senseless over their lack of faith uh, for healing is just not the way to go. It doesn't work. It doesn't help them. And it doesn't really answer the question. Somebody needs to be hungry enough to go get some questions answered about this. Other than, well, it's just an inscrutable counsel of God not to heal people. You know, when you read the Gospels, there is not one single account where a person came to Jesus and asked to be healed that they did not get healed. Actually, the only one that came close to not getting healed got healed. Jesus told that Syrophoenician woman, um, I'm just, just going to ignore that woman. That's Jesus' basic first move when she came. Then the disciples started bugging Jesus. And Jesus winds up saying, well, I can't give what I've got to the dogs. Now, you know. If I said that to somebody in church, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> Kathy, come, Robbie, can you help me? You, I could, but I'm not going to give what I have to dogs, Kathy. I'm sorry. I could say that for Kathy knows I don't feel that at all about her. But here's, in, in the Bible picture, here's what Kathy did if she responded the way the woman responded to Jesus. She went, Arf, arf! Because the woman said, well, even the dogs get the scraps, and she got healed. So in heaven, scraps will get you healed. That's not even the full course meal. That's, that's the scraps. That's what people throw away, if you can look at it that way. She was the only person who almost didn't get healed. 
who came to Jesus and asked Him. Many accounts in the, in the New Testament say all got healed of every sickness, every disease. And Jesus even healed one woman He had no intentions of healing. The woman with the issue of blood stole a healing from Jesus when He wasn't paying attention. Can, can you hear that? Took it from Him. You know, the, the, the text said, Who touched me? For virtue hath left my body. Probably the movie guys would give him a little sway or some stupid thing. No, but what he was saying was, who took that away from me? Who got that from me? What did Jesus? Go get something from him. He is so interested in helping you, he can, you can go somehow get something. Without him saying yes, without having all the relational approval related, you know, that's so many of us are paralyzed with the lack of people being nice to us. <laughs> and so Jesus has these approval related things to help navigate people through their own private difficulty into faith, except this woman just went, here's what, she, here's what she really did. We don't like this. She said continually. She said continually. That means over and over. If I can but touch him, I'll be whole. If I can but touch him, I'll be whole. If I can but touch, hey, I won't even touch him on the arm. I'll touch his clothes. I'll be whole. Now, most of us are going, there ain't nothing for me. Yeah, you're right. There is, but you're talking your way out of it. Anyway, I got off on that. Intersections. Here's an intersection in Luke chapter 1. Divine visitation. There are some intersections that you cannot help. It's like Independence Boulevard or the 485 Expressway change. They are so big you can't miss them. The angel of the Lord comes to Mary. And says in Luke 1.31, You have found favor with God. Isn't that awesome? Everything the angel said to Mary is true about you at some level. Everyone in this building's found favor with God. You know how I know? You're here. You're alive. You, you have all the manifestations of someone who should have hope. You found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now this was a one-time thing, obviously, the virgin birth. But everyone in this room has had to give birth to Jesus, at least in the new birth realm. He will be great and be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. 
He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? How many of you gotten condemned over your questions to the Lord? You're in good company. Don't raise your hands. Raise your hands in your hearts. <laughs> this is, uh, anyway, praise God. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. Don't worry about me. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, no word is without power. You can say it that way. Verse 37. For with God, no all, no all means every. No all rhema is without power. Now we think rhema is the word that's spoken to our hearts. If you actually study rhema versus logos, you won't really understand the difference between the two hardly. Here's what I think rhema is. Rhema can be words on a page of the scripture that you believe. That has power. No all word from God is without power. One of the things that concerns me, I'm going to talk about this in just a minute, is how limited our involvement is personally. And this is what the Lord is speaking to me. And I'm not condemning anyone. I'm just making this observation because I believe it's accurate. How limited our personal involvement is with the Word of God, with the Scripture. And, and no church will be a strong church that does not feed relentlessly, consistently, and delightedly on the Word of God. We've gone way the other way. I'm concerned about my generation. I'm in my 50s. I'm concerned about my generation. We're not like our forefathers who could endure a Second World War. I have no idea how my generation would respond to being invaded by a foreign nation. And I'm 